everybody, welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour History. I'm your host, Professor Natalie Harpin. And today I wanted to talk briefly about something called Zanyas. So it's Z-A-N-J-A-S. And when I was at the AHA panel earlier this year in January in New Orleans, I was sitting on a panel and I, well, excuse me, I was attending a panel and I forgot what the panel was called, but... They were talking about the different, oh, I'm sorry, it was built-in segregation in the modern city. That's what the title of the panel was. And if you're interested in looking it up from the last conference in January, it was panel number 92. So I sat in on it and I was learning about these things called zanyas. And I thought it was really cool because... It really gave a glimpse into what city life was like specifically in Los Angeles and sort of what it morphed into that we, you know, think of today. So Zanyas were open ditches for usage by, by residents for the from the LA River. So they were like, you know, public water spaces. And the first time that they were used in LA was actually in 1781, which I thought was really cool because, you know, that's almost the beginning of the 19th century, right? Or the, almost to the 1800s. And in, 18, in the 1880s, that's when the Zanyas were put underground. So they were used to irrigate plants, animals, and also to put out fires. And they were actually removed in the late 1890s. So some of you are aware of the water history of Los Angeles and about how basically they were able to expand LA by opening up the LA River and irrigating, you know, having more water irrigated into the city so that it could grow. And Mulholland was huge for that, right? There's a huge, there's a street named after him, you know, etc. So Mulholland was big for that. And the last Zanya seems to have disappeared in 1904. So one of the things I thought was really cool was that Zanyas were sites of social gatherings because water usage was something that was seen as a public utility. So people would be washing their clothes, they would talk to people, they would exchange ideas and knowledge and just communicate with each other. And I mean, my brother watched a lot of Animal Planet when I when we were younger, so I would watch it with him and I thought about how other mammals, but you know, other animals do the same thing where they congregate at watering holes or, you know, and use these as public spaces amongst themselves to communicate. And so I thought Zanyas were really cool because it shows how, you know, we as people would congregate around water and how much that increased social awareness, intercultural communication and trade of items, ideas, concepts, you know, language, etc., in such diverse places like Los Angeles. And another thing, because it was a public utility, it was free. So people didn't have to pay to access the water to do whatever they wanted to do. And in fact, you had people, usually women, who would be tasked with like washing clothes and things like that they would set up tables they would set up like laundry areas near near and around where the zanya was and they would communicate with each other so they're really really cool sites of communication of course we have photographs of them because 
in the late 1800s, we had portraits, we had pictures, so you could see what they look like if you wanted to Google image it. But once they were taken out and the wells and ditches were removed, or what we would call a well or a ditch, but it was called a zanya at the time, it stopped a lot of, it stopped that social gathering. And you had people who had to pay to have water irrigated to their home because it became commercialized. So now people have to pay for water usage as opposed to just being able to get or, you know, walk, but get to the public space and use it for free. So in LA specifically, the historian uh, was talking about how you had Mexican residents who were opposed to replacing the ditches with indoor pipes because, of course, it contributed to the marginalization of their specific cultural centers in L.A., right? So as Americans of Mexican descent in the Southwest states in general, they were generally discriminated against. I've talked about that before. Um, They were subject to lynching, being killed off for speaking Spanish, not being able to resist as a, you know, for the women being forced to give in to white men for fear of sexual retaliation or, you know, their death if they refuse them. Um, so from their point of view, it just contributed more to their marginalization because it was taking away an important aspect of culture that they and other people had access to. So something else that was really interesting was they were talking about how it also related to anti-Chinese sentiment in L.A. So in the 1880s, um, there were L.A. LA Times. So you could look up on, I know like they had microfilm at like UCSD library. I know they, I'm sure they still do. Um, I don't know if it's digitized yet, but you could look up the L.A. Times article. It's called Hell's Half Acre which is on ProQuest if you are, yeah, it's on ProQuest if you have access to like an academic um, subscription to ProQuest through your school. But it was published on April 14th, 1882. And the Chinatown in LA was blasted by the LA Times because they claimed that the Chinatown was dirty, right? That it was unclean. And there were no water mains in Chinatown. But... They formed neighborhood coalitions and would writing letter would write letters to the city to get access to these LA water resources. So, like I said, when they took the zanyas out of for public usage, they didn't replace it with anything. And because of the way the piping was set up, people who had more money or lived in more affluent parts of town were able to get access to water, but many ethnic communities didn't have any other way to get piping or irrigation to their neighborhood center so that they could do anything about it. So, of course, that was used to just say, oh, look at these people. Look how dirty they are, right? Um, Look how unclean they are. Look how unsanitary and, you know, we'd use the word today, ghetto, but look look how... 
unkempt they're keeping their neighborhoods and they were doing that to the Chinese parts of town because as we talked about before with redlining and racial restrictions and covenants these people like blacks Mexicans Chinese etc were relegated to certain parts of town so this is why I say like racism is an institution and many other people say that too it's government structures and restrictions that perpetuate stereotypes about these people that they have no control of and have no resources to change. So in the case of Chinatown, you have the Chinese residents who would write letters to get access to some type of waterway, but they weren't having those things given to them. So they developed informal water sources like ditches, taps, um, or storing water in containers so that they could have access to some type of waterway in general, until later on when the pipes were put into their parts of town. But I did think it was really cool that you could look up that LA Times article. It's called Hell's Half Acre. Like I said, it was published April 14th, 1882. And it would be available probably in LA Times archive. You may be able to Google it because I know a lot of those old um, newspaper and magazine publications were, I don't know who bought them, but they are, a lot of them are available online. Or like I said, if you have access to an academic library subscription to ProQuest, you could look that up. But I wanted to talk about that. Something else, if you're interested um, more about this, the historian who was writing a book about it, which I want to pick up, I think this, I'm going to add this to my summer reading list, but the historian is Jan Hansen. And it's called Water for White People. This is, I think, the title of his book, but this is like the title of the presentation he gave. It's called Water for White People, L.A. Infrastructure, 1880 to 1920. So he's actually out of USC, which is great because like, I talked about letters of recommendation before, but one of the things that maybe I could make a small episode about it is just like don't be afraid to send emails to people about their research. Like this is literally what people are doing. So he is doing this research, like other people who are writing books, developing content, you know, in grad programs, et cetera. Like this is what they do. This is their life. So, I mean, this is not like their full life, but you understand what I'm saying. This is what they spend a huge chunk of their time on and spend their energy doing. So if you ever have questions about research or, you know, I spoke to him after the panel because one of his advisors was actually one of my grad school professors at UCSD before he left. So I was talking, so that was like the way that I was like, oh, hey, we both studied under Dr. Shaw. And then we were both talking about that. And, you know, I was asking him questions about his research, but never feel, you know, intimidated to send people an email. And um, I actually did write down his email, if you're interested. <laughs> so his email is jeh underscore 645 at Um, I will put it in the description box because I think this was great. Like his presentation made me really excited because I'd never heard of this before. I never heard of, because I don't, I'm not a historian of public water or public utilities or environmentalism or LA for that matter. So there's always, always something else to learn. And there's so many things that you can learn that are adjacent to what I learned, right? So I didn't learn about public waterways, but I did learn about city, you know, racial restrictions. And so this is 
a perfect complement to that. So I can't wait to get his book. I can't wait to read more about his research later on. But I did want to share that with you because I thought it was really, really cool. And I did say that I was going to have some like short quips now that we're sort of getting into the summer. So I'm going to sign off for today. But I hope that you all have a beautiful day or a beautiful evening and that you are well rested, hydrated and are coming into your summer feeling refreshed and relaxed. So hope to see you on the next episode, everybody. Bye.